in the past few weeks, I've suddenly got people in different corners of my life saying, I've tested positive for COVID, or my kid has tested positive for COVID. And the more people that I'm talking to, it feels like, oh, are we seeing COVID rise again? It sounds all like anecdotal and unscientific, but I have heard from experts saying like, this is actually a good indication that COVID is on the rise. That's Fennett Nirapel, a health reporter for The Post. He's been covering this recent uptick in COVID cases and a small but notable rise in hospitalizations. After months of decline, numbers from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention show that reported cases and hospitalizations are on the rise. A summer wave of COVID ramping up. Now, the virus is far less deadly, but the timing comes right as kids and teachers head back to school. Bennett says that this increase in COVID is probably due to a few things. There's a new variant around called EG5. People are traveling more because, you know, summer. And the extreme heat that a lot of the United States has been experiencing recently is keeping people indoors, which can make COVID spread. So if you're the kind of person who takes more COVID precautions when you see COVID rising in your community, this is the time to do that. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm your guest host, Michelle Borstein. It's Thursday, August 24th. Today, what you need to know about COVID boosters, the new variant, and how to protect people most at risk. Plus, what the fall season of other respiratory viruses, like the flu, might look like. So, Fennett, the federal government officially ended the COVID emergency, but it seems like there's an uptick of cases. What are transmission rates these days? So we don't really have good data on transmission rates anymore. So the public health emergency ended in May, but that didn't mean that COVID is over or COVID is gone. What's catching attention right now is that the hospitalizations are going up and emergency room visits are going up. People who are listening to this probably have been hearing about people getting sick in the last month. And some of the experts that I talk to actually say that, you know, this it's not as unscientific as it sounds. If you just are hearing about more people getting COVID in your social circles, that's probably a good sign that there's more COVID out there. And the fact that there's more infections is why? Is, there, is that a new type of COVID and that's breaking through or what is it? Yeah, it could be a couple of things. I mean, we've seen COVID rise in summer and winter before. And with the summer in particular, when it's really hot out and you have people traveling on vacation, uh, doing international trips, going to weddings, it's just more opportunities for more people to be in the same room together and then to spread COVID. We are also seeing a new variant that's on the rise. That's EG5. There is a fast-spreading new subvariant of the coronavirus that's raising concerns among health officials around the world. The CDC says the EG5 variant, otherwise known as ARIS, now makes up the largest portion of new COVID-19 infections nationwide. So for most of 2023, we've had this lineage of variants called XBB and its various versions. That's made up most infections. But now we're seeing about 20% of new cases are estimated to be linked to EG5. They're all part of the Omicron family, but when you have something new like EG5, there's evidence that it's more adept at overcoming immunity that we've been developing through past vaccination, uh, through our past infections. So that's something that scientists are looking at right now. 
But the good news is there's no evidence that suggests that EG5 is making people any sicker than the Omicron descendants that came before it, but it might be contributing to this rise in transmission. So, Fennett, the government is no longer mailing people free tests, and a lot of insurance companies are not covering it. So how should people think about testing? I think this is one of the starkest examples of the consequence of ending the public health emergency because now it's much harder uh, to get tested for COVID or it's uh, much more of a financial burden because now every time you have a cough or a sniffle or every time you are in the same room as someone who later tested positive for COVID, you have to decide, is it worth the 10 to $15 per test uh, to test myself for COVID? And particularly if you have to test multiple times over a whole week, And particularly for parents of uh, small kids, those costs can add up when you have a big family that all needs to be tested too. So in terms of like how people should navigate this, one, there are free tests that are still out there. You can check with your local government. You can check with your employer or your doctor's office to see if any of them are still giving out free tests. If you're a lower income person, A lot of federally qualified health centers are still distributing free tests as well. And Medicaid is covering the cost of over-the-counter tests until fall 2024. And then in terms of when should you get tests, this is a tricky one because I haven't really seen clear guidance coming out of the federal government on what are the parameters for getting uh, tested. Um, I do think... If you have symptoms and if you've had a known exposure, that is probably one of the biggest triggers for getting tested. And also, if you are someone over the age of 65 or if you fall in a high-risk group where you would benefit from getting on antivirals uh, to prevent the progression of coronavirus into severe illness, it's worth getting tested early on because antivirals are best administered in the early days of disease. So if you do get COVID... What's the guidance right now about quarantining? So the CDC says that if you get COVID, you should isolate for at least five days after you first develop symptoms or if you're asymptomatic after you first tested positive. And then after day five, they say you should still wear a mask until at least day 11. Um, I've heard other experts say that you don't necessarily have to isolate for five days if you test negative on a rapid test uh, beforehand. Everyone is infectious for different periods of time, and not everyone necessarily needs to be isolated uh, for five days to avoid spreading the virus. I feel like we have to, like, include that context of society does not incentivize isolation. Airlines aren't giving people refunds uh, who don't want to fly while they have uh, COVID. I mean, it's not like the government is giving you reimbursements either if you choose not to fly while you have uh, COVID-19. There are a lot of employers who are still pressuring uh, workers to come back into work, even if they are testing uh, positive, too. So the way society is like set up is not like set up in a way that's uh, incentivizing people to like actually follow isolation. So. Has the CDC issued anything stating that there actually is a rise in COVID cases or any kind of alerts about what the public should do? The CDC has been releasing the data that shows that cases and hospitalizations are rising, but 
CDC officials aren't out there holding press conferences or warning people that there's another COVID uptick and that you should be wearing a mask or you should be taking other precautionary measures. And I've actually heard the CDC director, the new one, Mandy Cohen, say that she's not really worried about the current COVID uptick since hospitalizations are still fairly low, especially compared to last summer. So a lot of it really, it does go back to like the individual. And you might be hearing uh, things from your local health departments, although a lot of local health departments aren't really flagging these upticks anymore. And I should also like say too, even as we are seeing hospitalizations and emergency room visits uh, rise, they're rising from already low levels. So we're still seeing hospitalizations and emergency room visits a fraction of where we were at a year ago. So in terms of how people can protect themselves, now that coronavirus is rising again, you can wear a mask when you go to indoor settings. When you're hanging out with people or going to big events, you can test beforehand or ask other people uh, to test beforehand too. This is also a good time to be more vigilant about symptoms. So sometimes it can be hard to tell the difference between like COVID or allergies or a cold. Because COVID is rising again, it's time to be a little bit more alert to those kind of symptoms and then staying home if you're sick. And then also... Staying up to date on your vaccines is one of the best ways to protect yourself against a severe illness. So what is the most recent guidance about getting vaccines and boosters? So right now, the vaccine that's on the market is the bivalent booster, which was released last September, and that targets the BA4 and BA5 variants that were dominant last summer but are no longer in circulation. So the guidance is that people who are over the age of 65 or who are immunocompromised, they qualify for a second dose of that booster. So if you haven't gotten a second dose, you could still get that now. But then we have a new booster that's coming out um, probably by the end of September, and that's designed for the XBB boosters that have been making up most infections this year. It's a tricky situation uh, because if you are someone who's at high risk and if you haven't had your immune system shored up in a while, if it's been more than six months since you've had a booster or had an infection, you're more vulnerable to getting hospitalized if you contract COVID right now. But also the strains of COVID that are out there aren't, yeah, they're not the ones that this current booster was designed for. So This is something worth talking to your doctor about. Actually, every time I'm asked, when should I get my booster? The answer is always talk to your doctor because there's always different trade-offs. But this is a time that's worth uh, talking to a medical provider because they might suggest just get any sort of protection you can right now. Or they might suggest like it's a good time to start wearing N95s and hunkering down until the new booster comes out so that you can get uh, that newest version of the booster. Because if you get the old version of the booster that's available right now, you're going to have to wait to get the new one. And what about flu shots? How should people think about these two shots together? Should they take them at the same time or stagger them or what? Again, it's one of those talk to your doctor about it. But here are things that you can talk to your doctor about or bring up. I actually never heard this before this year, but apparently flu before boo is a thing, meaning uh, get your flu shot before Halloween, before the end of October. 
The CDC says that, um, especially based on last year when it was common to give the COVID booster and the flu shot at the same time, they haven't seen any evidence to suggest that um, there are safety issues with co-administering those uh, two shots and getting your flu shot and COVID booster at the same time. But there are reasons you might consider staggering them out. So some people might be better suited to get their COVID booster right before the holidays. So in November, mid-November, that's what I plan to do because I want to reduce the risk of infection heading into the holiday uh, season and the protection from infection is more short-lived than the protection from hospitalization and severe disease. So it might make sense for some people to get to get a flu shot in early October and then wait later for a COVID booster, especially if you've been infected with COVID like this summer, or if you've had your second bivalent booster more recently. So everyone's got like different factors that are worth uh, taking into account when you're figuring out what kind of shots to get and when to time them. This fall, there are also new vaccines for RSV, which is a respiratory syncytial virus, and that's one of the most common respiratory viruses that are out there. Almost everybody gets exposed to and gets infected by RSV, but it's infants and seniors who are at greatest risk and who are hospitalized and even die from RSV. So for the first time this year, seniors can be immunized for RSV. In fact, it's already there on the market. Uh, People over the age of 60 are recommended to talk to their doctors on whether an RSV vaccine uh, makes sense for them. And the FDA just approved a maternal vaccine for RSV that you administer the vaccine in the third trimester of pregnancy and that mother can pass antibodies to baby, which would protect them for the first several months of their life. After the break, we look ahead to the fall respiratory illness forecast and how to keep those who are most at risk safe. We'll be right back. Fennett, what are health experts saying about the forecast for this fall and winter in terms of infections? I mean, last year, hospitals were totally overwhelmed by all types of respiratory illnesses in addition to COVID. So what do they think is going to happen this year? It's hard to predict. So um, last year, there was a big strain on hospitals because it wasn't just COVID that was increasing, but it was RSV, particularly in young children, and then flu coming back. What's become known as the triple-demic is leaving so many people sick. The big three in this case, COVID-19, RSV, and the flu, states like New York. Because in that first year of the pandemic, we didn't really see flu or RSV. Now we're at that phase of the pandemic that we're not taking the same kind of um, protections anymore. So whether we'll see a repeat of that is unclear. Because with RSV and children in particular, that seemed to be a more of an anomalous year because you had toddlers who weren't exposed to RSV earlier in their life and then they were more likely to get um, really sick when they had RSV for the first time. And then you also had an RSV season that was earlier than expected. So that was really one of the major drivers of strains on the healthcare system last year. And then with COVID, The longer that we've gotten deeper into the pandemic, the less strain on hospitals that we're seeing because people are still getting infected. But because of all the immunity that we've built up from our past infections and from our vaccinations, fewer and fewer people have been going into the hospitals. 
If we're also talking about what the next few months are going to look like, I should mention that there's this new variant that scientists are really concerned about called BA286. That's because it's the most highly mutated version since we actually saw Omicron arrive. And what that means is that because it's so mutated, our antibodies are going to have a harder time recognizing it and preventing infections. So I know we've been hearing this with uh, variants for the better part of two years, that it's more immunovating, but it doesn't cause more severe illness. This one is different because it's morphed into such a different kind of virus that it can be even more immunovating than the ones that came before it. And that means that people who got infected in the last year are going to be more susceptible to reinfection. And it also raises the concern that the new booster isn't going to be particularly effective at protecting people against this new variant. I should also add the huge caveat that there's not many cases of BA286 that have been detected so far, but there are signs of international transmission here. So it's something that experts aren't saying that we should panic about yet, but it is something worth watching. So who's at risk for the most severe cases of COVID right now? It's people who are over the age of 75, particularly people who have underlying medical conditions or who are severely immunocompromised. Uh, That means people who are undergoing chemotherapy or recently uh, underwent a organ transplant. And even within that group of immunocompromised people, we're often talking about uh, people who are over the age of 75. And that's because if you're in one of these groups, your immune system is going to have a harder time fighting off coronavirus. Your body is going to have a harder time uh, remembering the lessons from receiving vaccines and from getting coronavirus before to really fight off that virus and prevent severe disease. And so what about for, for these people? What do public health experts say about how to keep them safe? So this is a group of people that's especially vulnerable right now because society has essentially abandoned uh, COVID precautions and attempts to reduce transmission. And I think one of the uh, biggest complaints that I've heard is now even hospitals and doctor's offices aren't requiring masks anymore. So you have people who are coming in for care who are some of the most vulnerable people in our society and they can't count on their doctors or nurses to be wearing a mask anymore. Or they can't count on other patients in a crowded waiting room to be wearing masks. So with the guidance on how to protect them, often it does come back to get your booster and stay up to date on your shots, even if it's not perfect at a preventing infection or preventing severe illness. That's why older people and immunocompromised people were urged to come back to get a second dose of the bivalent booster. And then all the other usual precautions apply. Wear a high-quality N95 or KN95 mask. Have uh, people test for COVID before coming over. Avoid crowded venues like going to concerts or going to weddings. So... There's a host of things that people can do, but a lot of what we're seeing is putting the onus back on the individual rather than a collective effort by society to protect the most vulnerable. What about long COVID? What's the risk of getting long COVID and what new information do we have about that? We do know some things about long COVID, and I think sometimes people are left with the impression that uh, anyone can get long COVID and we're all at equal risk. And yes, like 
anyone can get long COVID, even if you did have a mild or moderate case of of, uh, COVID-19. But we also do know that there's different risk factors, just like with someone contracting COVID in the first place. So older people, people with underlying conditions like obesity or lung disease, and people who had really bad cases of COVID-19 that left them in the hospital, they're also all at higher risks for long COVID too. So the usual risk factors you see for COVID-19 illness also apply when it comes to long COVID. Uh, But there's also new research that my colleague Amy Goldstein reported on that's been following this group of uh, VA patients who developed COVID in 2020. And this uh, latest data shows that two years later, they're still at elevated risk for conditions like uh, lung and heart problems and fatigue even two years after mild cases of COVID-19. And this was uh, people studied in 2020. So it's hard to extrapolate that for people who contracted Delta in 2021 Uh or people who contracted Omicron and its various uh, descendants. But the big takeaway here is, I know it's easy to say like, oh, COVID is just like the flu. And for a lot of people, like, the experience of getting COVID is going to be a mild one. But that's not the same as saying that COVID is like the it's flu. It's the same thing. Right? Because COVID, coronavirus, has potentials for long-term complications and short-term complications that we don't see with other respiratory viruses. So it's not equivalent to influenza. At the same time, like COVID is is a respiratory virus. Not everyone is going to have a horrible experience with it. And I know... This can be like uh, tricky to wrap your mind around that two things can be true at once. Your individual risk from COVID can be fairly low. But when we're talking about nearly everyone in society being exposed to COVID, that small percentage risk still translates to a lot of people who are dealing with long COVID, who are still getting severely ill or who are getting those mild cases that are called mild, but you can still feel like the worst illness of your life. I know that boosters are one of the things that we've been using to prevent the spread of COVID, but it seems like other things like masking and social distancing are mostly gone. What does that say about how our country is addressing the ongoing threat of COVID? U.S. health officials have essentially moved on from treating COVID as an emergency. There's differing views in the public health establishment on whether COVID is still worth the same kind of effort it's been worth over recent years. But we do know that COVID is still taking a toll and it is still killing hundreds of people a week. The death rates still are at the lowest level since uh, the pandemic started, but it is still killing hundreds of people a week. It's the kind of thing that if we saw this happening in 2019, it would have been an anomaly. It would have been the kind of thing that really worried us. But we're at that point that like our reference point um, for COVID has been like the peak of the pandemic when you really saw widespread death and misery. But there are we are still losing a lot of Americans. It is still inflicting debilitating long term um, effects on Americans, too. And Americans are at that point now that you can't really count on a collective effort of society and government to protect you from COVID-19. So as I mentioned earlier, the onus is back on individuals now. Fennett, thank you. Thank you for having me. Fennett Nirapel covers health here at The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Ariel Plotnick with help from Milana Gordon and edited by Monica Campbell. 
It was mixed by Sean Carter. If you're looking for the latest updates on the big news of the day, check out our morning news briefing, The Seven. That podcast is hosted by Jeff Pierre, and he brings you through the seven stories you need to know about every weekday morning. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Michelle Borstein. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.